Lot is Matt Mosley's show, ESPN Central Texas. And uh, fresh back from vacation, Damon Hack. I mean, the man never goes on vacation. He's from the Golf Channel. Damon, great to have you back on the show. And I got to say, first of all, seeing you announce at U.S. Open uh, and, and, and doing the award ceremony, I, I was like a proud uh, parent or something. I mean, I was just like, whoa, that's my guy. Running that whole scene smooth as ever. And uh, so that was very exciting at the end of June. And then, of course, observing this, uh, the Open, as they call it over there. Some of us still call it the British Open. Damon, welcome back to the uh, the Mosley Show. Matt, great to be with you here in your dulcet tones. Hope everybody in Texas is doing well. Yeah, buddy, it's been a great summer. Uh, I'm from L.A., so to be able to do the trophy ceremony at the Los Angeles Country Club for the National Championship last month was very cool. And I'm just back from England where uh, the Georgia Bulldog, Brian Harmon, wins his first major championships. It's been a fun summer, buddy. What do you think about uh, Harmon? Um, I mean, what a what a story. And, and, and his, but to go wire to wire, nobody in a million years would have had that. Um, it's strange because we wanted somebody to kind of challenge, but you admire what he was able to pull off. How, having seen it and now having thought about it, are you still just as surprised or are there some things you knew about Brian Harmon that maybe the rest of us didn't, that maybe maybe this didn't take you as, as by surprise as, as most golf fans across the country? No, I was surprised. I mean, listen, he uh, was a two-time PGA Tour winner before this past week. He finished sixth in the, in the Open Championship at St. Andrews, had played well this season, but to think that he was going to be the guy to, to tackle John Rahm, who's had such a great season, won the Masters. Rory coming off the win the previous week at the Scottish Open. You know, Scotty Scheffler hadn't finished outside the top 12 in a couple of months. I mean, you're, you're talking about the best of the best, and it wasn't really a storyline we were expecting that a five foot seven uh, Georgia Bulldog lefty would be the last man standing. And not only was he the last man standing, he ran away from the field. He had a terrific amateur career. He won the U.S. Junior Amateur, was on the Walker Cup team, a couple of times in the Palmer Cup team. So he was a very, very decorated amateur. But he was kind of building a, a professional career as kind of a, a good player, a couple of wins, a steady eddy. And he absolutely had the, the week of his life, which sometimes we see. We see a, a bolt from the blue. I don't think this is going to mean that suddenly Brian Harmon is going to be, you know, knocking off two, three wins a season. But he's tough. He's gutty. Uh, he was not a fan favorite. He actually used that as motivation, and I think uh, he, you know, he earned it. He made the putts, fifty-eight out of fifty-nine from inside ten feet. Fantastic short game, not long off the tee, but long enough and clearly tough enough to get the job done. Can you tell me where to get some of those like mirrors that apparently he came about that's helped him immensely? He took it to the tournament with him, and he said apparently it does something with your putting. And, uh, I mean, I, I heard him talking about that, and I was just fascinated because it almost sounded like something a lot of us would try to get over the years. Oh, that's weird. Okay, well, that's – that. I mean, and, it, and for whatever reason, you never know what's going to click. But he said that clicked, and he brought them with him to Royal Liverpool. And, and, he, and he had the mirrors with him. Now, what exactly are those, Damon? And have you actually – 
ever seen one of those little uh, those items? Yeah, I, I have not seen them before. But this, this is kind of what you see week to week on the PGA Tour. You remember the old Tin Cup movie with, you know, Kevin Costner, you know, walks out of the trailer and he's got like, you know, he's trying to court uh, Renee Russo and he's struggling with his game and he has five or six golf items that he's trying to, to get out of this, this sticky, wicked and bad play that he's in. And I tell you what, I see players week to week whether it was back in the day, Bryson DeChambeau having the dew meter. Uh, some guys used the gate drill. And what, what, this, what Brian Harmon did was this mirror that he has where it, it kind of, what he said was give him a little bit of a better release pattern. He was allowed to see kind of the path of his, of his putter. When, when the best golfers in the world miss putts, they often don't release the putter head. It's basically... Um, imagine if you're gripping onto the steering wheel as opposed to lightly holding the steering wheel and kind of trusting the wheel to do its thing. The, the players want to have that light trusting release pattern. So you're not blocking the putts to the right. If you're a right-hander or pulling them to the left or vice versa in the case of the lefty Brian Harmon, it basically was, I don't want to say it was a placebo effect. It was something he mm-hmm. believed in. It allowed him to kind of hit these almost like a little baby draw. He said, with his putter, was getting on the correct path for him. And the putter was absolutely the key. The weather was bad for everybody. The pot buckles were deep for everybody. This came down to who would make those 10-foot, testy, 8-foot par putts. And Brian Harmon did that better than anybody on the property last week. Damon Hack, Golf Channel on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Damon, you've played over there quite a bit. Um, have you ever tried to come out of one of those pot bunkers? I mean, those are tough, man. And you, and then sometimes they get those stances where they have one leg in, one leg out. I think Fitzpatrick's brother, Andrew Fitzpatrick, pulled one of those shots off. Those pot bunkers, for people just watching, I don't know if they always get a, a true feel for it. What makes those things so much tougher than normal bunkers that we see in the States? Yeah, it's uh, it's the sand. It's thick. It's dense. You have to a hit it with almost more power than these fluffy sandy bunkers in the states. They're cavernous. They're deep. They're revetted. You know me, man. I'm a lover. I'm an optimist. I hate those bunkers. I love everything in life, but those bunkers I detest. I've been in them a lot in Scotland and in England. The time where I brought my clubs, those are truly water hazards. They're one-shot penalties where you're having to chip out or pitch out sideways. You, you can rarely, if ever, advance the ball in the direction that you want to, and then, and then you have to really hit the ball hard. And, you're, and, and you can spend an afternoon, you know, and your wrists are sore at the end of the day if you're a bad golfer like me, but it's, <laughs> it does, it's a damp, wet, cold day, and that sand is just thick and brown, and it's not the fluffy white, you know, you know, he, like you're taking out a dollar bill and all the cute little tips we hear uh, in the States. You have to take a pound of flesh to successfully get your ball out of those pot bunkers in the United mm-hmm. Kingdom. Did you do any sightseeing? Did you have any time? Uh, have you done the Beatles tour before when you've been over there? In 06, I did the Beatles tour, and they got the statue, and you go to the Cavern Club. Back in 06, when Tiger won, it was a baked-out beige-yellow golf course, the way Zach Johnson described it to me. It was the color of Jack Nicholas's hair. 
And, and that week in 06, <laughs> I went to the Cavern Club and got to listen to John Daly uh, sing and play guitar in the Cavern Club, uh, which the Beatles had you know, made famous and was kind of the, the impetus for their uh, rise to fame. And apparently, uh, what I was told this past week when I was there, that that John Lennon and Paul McCartney lived on either side of a golf course. And when they were going to collaborate, you know, as teenagers, basically, one would have to walk across the golf course to the other's house. So as you can imagine, there were many allusions and references to the Beatles, uh, Hoylake about a half hour from Liverpool. Our NBC staff stayed in Liverpool proper. So folks were doing the Beatles tour and going to visit the Cavern Club. I had more free time in 06 when I was an ink-stained wretch, but these TV hours are a little bit longer, was not able to duplicate the seat in 2023. All right, did you have the proper gear, though, over there? You've been enough now. Do you, do you kind of layer up? Do you have some good rain gear? Do you have Rory-like? Or A lot of times when you're on TV, you've got to have those sport coats on. How do you keep those beautiful sport coats uh, kind of, you know, rain-free. I mean, that's got to be a tough deal because you're not the weather channel. You can't gear up like, what's his name, Jim? Who's that guy, the famous Ken weather channel? Yeah, yeah, Ken, Ken Tory. Tory. Yeah, yeah. You can't. I'm you no can't. Ken Tory. <laughs> I, I'm not. But, but I tell you what, the gear is good. You know, we got okay. Troy, you know, they, they, they do us right with the nice blue or black mm. color, so – I'm a fan. You know, I went to UCLA, so I like, you know, I, I tend to go to the blue jackets and blue ties and, and the like. So I've got a nice little array of, of, of rain gear when necessary. I broke it out one day. In fact, I did a walk and talk with, with Ernie Els one day. It was supposed to be rainy, so I had my rain jacket on. At that time, it was sunny. It was during a practice round on Wednesday. And I had the, you know, I had the shirt and the tie. But on top of that, I had my trusty rain jacket. So you, you have to be prepared. You don't want to make a rookie mistake in and look like a wet cat out there. You want to make sure that you're comfortable and as warm as can be. <laughs> was this when Ernie, was this after Ernie kind of went off on the commissioner and what the guys would have done back in the day had they tried something like this with the live tour? I mean, Ernie came strong. You know, we, I, I, Ernie's always seemed like sort of a genteel type person. I didn't really have him being the guy that's going to get the knife out. And uh, I guess Ernie doesn't care anymore. I mean, he's an elder statesman of the game, and uh, he let loose with some some interesting things, didn't he? He did. I talked to Ernie during the practice round on Wednesday. It was more mm-hmm. about the golf course and reflections on him being a two-time Open champ, a four-time major champ, and a World Golf Hall of Fame member. But you're right. The next day, after his opening round, he went off on, on the commissioner and, and talked about how things would have been different had this happened more or less under his watch, that, that he said Jay would have been out. His biggest issue was the lack of transparency for an organization that calls itself a player-run organization, that the players were left in the dark during all the wheeling and dealing in the back room between uh, a couple of members of the PGA Tour a policy board and the commissioner and uh, the governor of the uh, Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia, Yasser al-Rumayan. So Ernie's biggest issue was the lack of transparency and clarity, and he wanted to speak out on behalf of the players on the PGA Tour, uh, which was a position he held a couple of decades ago. You think Rory will win more majors? I mean, is his game just too good not to? Um, I, you know, he he is getting into his 
30s, and some guys hit a little bit of a wall at 34, 35 years old. He's been on a great run, but he hadn't had a major by his standards in forever. Um, Do you think at those majors, is he putting too much on himself, or does he have too much game not to break through and win a couple more here in the next, you know, two or three years? I think he has too much game. He's 34 years of age. That's about the same age that Phil, Justin Rose, Adam Scott, Sergio Garcia were when they won their first major championships. What's so strange with Rory is that he won so early, you know, won in 2011 by eight, in 2012 by eight, and then won twice in 2014. And all of a sudden, the major championship clock has just stopped. And that's been odd. But he has nearly 20 top 10s in majors since winning. He has to continue to be there or thereabouts. It, it may not be a final round 65 for him. It may be a 72 for him and someone else stubs his toe for a change. And Rory backdoors his way into that fifth major. He's too good. He's in great shape. He's too talented, I think, to spend the rest of his 30s and even early 40s bereft of that fifth major. Continue to sniff around, continue to knock on the door, put mm-hmm. yourself in position. I think all those things you said can be true. Put too much pressure on yourself? Yes. Trying to figure out a way to approach these majors. Do I do a pre-tournament press conference? Do I avoid it? Do I carry the water for the PJ Tour? Or be more circumspect and quiet and not be so giving to the media? Not good for me and you, Matt, but maybe yeah. better for Rory to focus more on inside the ropes instead of being everybody's best friend. He's a wonderful, deep, sensitive human being. But, man, he's carried a lot of weight on his shoulders as a kind of ambassador for the PGA Tour in this very, very you know, intense year and a half in professional golf. All right, and what is what is uh, happening with Justin Thomas? What are you? What are we seeing happen to one of the greatest players in the world, and a guy who now you have to wonder if you? I mean, can you choose him for a Ryder Cup the way he's playing right now? I mean, you know, even a few months ago, that would have been crazy to think not not having him on a team because he's so good in those situations. But what 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 has happened to his game? Because now he's 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 not even really close. And that's scary yeah. for someone who's been on top. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be a Duvall situation, one of your uh, co-workers and a, and a great guy. But, uh, but I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I, I, again, I don't think he's, he's going to be able to turn it back around. But, boy, it takes guys a while sometimes. I mean, we're just seeing Ricky Fowler make this stirring comeback after being out there for about three years. Where is Justin Thomas in all this? He's searching. He's searching and he's struggling and he's frustrated. And it's got to be doubly so when your dad is your swing coach. and been the only Ooh. swing coach that you've ever had. Um, he's asking questions and asking for patience. I think this is more of a, of a speed slash Fowler slump as opposed to a Duval slump. We, you know, it wasn't that long ago, we, you know, you know interchanged Jordan Spieth's name for his good buddy, Justin Thomas. We were all wondering, mm-hmm. If Spieth would win again, I think Justin Thomas right now, he's going through some swing issues. He's put a lot of pressure on his putter. He's not made a lot of putts in the last year or so since winning that second PGA championship. And when you're not making putts, it puts pressure on the rest of your game. I know he and his dad are breaking down film and trying to figure it out and get back to the sweet swinging 
player who won the PGA in 2017 in the FedEx Cup. He's just struggling right now. He, he wants it so badly. Even in his best times, he is tough on himself. Self-deprecating to a fault. I remember congratulating him on being number one in the world, and he said, well, I was only there for a few weeks. Like, like he, is, he is hard on himself. Tiger is a mentor of his, which I think is probably going to be helpful in this situation. But I just think it's complicated when your dad is your coach and, and, and you are hard on yourself to begin with. But the talent is there, and I think that he'll find a way to get out of this. Uh, and, and if the players want him on that team, uh, you know, if the Speaks and Shufflers want him on that team, I think there'll be a seat at the table for Justin Thomas. Boy, if you fired your dad, things could get awkward. We've seen it happen over the years in tennis more than anything because that's where parents seem to be the most involved and the most overbearing. But you've seen it in golf as well over the years. And that's hard. That would be a hard step to take. Not Maybe you don't have to fire him, but right now you got to trust he's probably got several people in his ear. Or he's got to think, okay, who should I listen to right now? And uh, – and sometimes you've got to kind of go back to the basics and fix yourself uh, a little bit on that front. Well, Damon, listen, I hope you've uh, uh, gotten some sleep. Get back on the clock, on the American clock. And, uh, man, it was just you had a great run through all the majors, and it's been so much fun watching you. And I really appreciate you uh, you coming on today. I thought about your, your move to TV when I saw the unfortunate announcement at the New York Times in their sports section recently, and I, would, I thought Damon made the right move at the right time. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and so it's tough to see, you know, our fellow writers and all that go through that. But, boy, I tell you, you I don't think you're regretting your move to television, are you? I'm right with you, buddy. I'm, I'm sad for, for some, some great journalists, talented folks that, that may not be able to find a way forward. Hopefully they can. But I have been very, very blessed and in, in, in fortunate and lucky uh, to have the job that I do. And, and uh, I don't uh, lose sight of that at all, especially in the heart of the season when I'm, I'm hopping around from, from coast to coast and sometimes across the pond. Uh, I'm thankful for it. Uh, I hope that the, the viewers can sense my enthusiasm talking golf for, for Golf Channel and Golf Today and NBC. And, and it's a blessing. And, and I appreciate it. Now we played a lot of phone tag over the last couple of months. I'm glad mm-hmm. we were finally able to to connect with my uh, crazy schedule. But it's always a blast talking golf with you, buddy. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. You know how persistent I can be. So you you have to. You, <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want to lose this friendship, you're gonna have to try pretty dang hard. But uh, fortunately, you've never tried. All right, uh, great to visit with you, Damon, and we'll talk to you soon. All the best, Matt. Talk to you soon, buddy. There he goes, Damon Hack. From the Golf Channel. And, uh, man, he just continues to get more and more airtime because he's so good at it. And uh, they, he gets to, uh, in fact, NBC, boy, they used him in a, at the U.S. Open. He hosted the whole ceremony at the end and really, really has done a tremendous job. And uh, they relocated from Florida recently to Connecticut is where they have all their TV services. But then he flies around to all these tournaments.